Now, first off, I'd like to introduce myself for those of you who do not know me or were not here to hear when I was first introduced a couple weeks ago. My name is Deacon Chris Eckrich, and I'm in my last year's seminary studies out at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. I'm from a distant land way out in the flyover state, smack dab in the middle of America's heartland, Lincoln, Nebraska. And after I finish this last year at the Mount, I'll return home and be ordained a priest, God willing, in May by my bishop in my home diocese. Now, part of seminary formation includes being assigned to various pastoral situations to help you grow in your pastoral charity and experience in a quasi-controlled environment. It's a training ground, so to speak, so that when we're tossed out into the deep end, we have some experience in our tool belt to help us stay afloat. So in the past, I've been assigned to schools, to nursing homes, to a vocation office in a nearby diocese. All of these assignments are meant to give me some experience, which I can take out into the real world and be prepared to minister to the people that I meet and give them the proper care that they deserve. And so this year, my seminary assigned me here to you guys, and so here I am. Now, there are various things which I could talk about today. Our readings give us some really good things to meditate upon, and so I want to kind of draw out the idea of doing everything in our power to avoid sin. We heard in our gospel an incredibly challenging teaching, frankly, which has implications for those in authority, especially those who teach. I had a professor in my previous seminary back home in Nebraska tell us in our ethics course that this particular gospel was one which he meditated upon frequently. As a professor and one who is called to teach about moral theology, a line we heard really struck a chord with him in reflecting upon his own vocation. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. In other words, whoever leads one of these astray, bad things are going to happen to you. He recognized in himself and in the office which was given to him the necessity of preaching the truth and being faithful to the faith which was entrusted to him to pass on to his students. He had to strive each day to remain faithful to the teachings of the church and make sure he was careful not to give scandal to us. We, in a certain sense, were the little ones who believe in Christ with the childlike innocence that Christ mentioned today. In the seminary, we matured in the faith, and in, under the guidance of our professors, we were taught what the church believes. We trusted our professors to be faithful, and we looked to them for guidance, and they provided to us. My professor understood this responsibility and knew he was forming men to think with the mind of the church, and he had to be as accurate as possible because if he taught us wrong or caused us to sin through erroneous teaching, he could be held accountable. In a similar vein, one of my friends in the seminary right now used to be a high school teacher and ultimately became an assistant principal. He would say the same thing. He also taught moral theology and would begin every single year emphatically reiterating to his students that he was going to tell them things they didn't want to hear. However, it was his duty and his obligation to do so because he was not going to lose his soul for any one of them by teaching them something erroneous or holding back punches on an aspect of the church's moral belief, simply because it would upset them or annoy his students. 
He, they were going to get the faith, the whole faith, nothing but the faith, whether or not they liked it. Our faith is too precious and it's too sacred to fudge with. Those in those positions of authority have a duty to present it as the light which it is and allow it to shine in the darkness of sin and despair so that those who are caught in the cycle of hopelessness and self-depreciation can see the beauty which God envisioned for the human person. While the teachings of the church might be challenging, it ultimately provides the peace that each heart longs for, and it presents to everybody the adventure and the excitement that we all crave. The issue, though, that arises from presenting the truth of the church's teachings, especially in the realms of moral theology, is that it forces people to take an uncomfortable look at themselves and recognize the ways which they're not in conformity with these teachings. We all have this experience. We all have inordinate desires and inclinations which flow from original sin, which is that disability that every single one of us received from our first parents, Adam and Eve. It's hard to say no to some of these desires, and it's even more difficult to see some of these things that the church presents as a good, which can actually enhance the human, who we are as a human. But that's the truth. Christ didn't come to keep us mediocre. Christ didn't come and die on the cross so that we could stay wallowing in the mundane. He didn't become a human, share in our suffering, and be persecuted for each and every single one of us so that we could be led around by our passions and stay caught in a self-destructive cycle of sin, of death, and of sadness. He came to give us life, to show us the way to show the, us the way we were always meant to live. He came to show us the way to rise above our sinfulness and find the freedom which comes from being released from those chains of sin. He came to give us life and to have it more abundantly, to have it to the fullest. He became one of us. He became human to show us how to fully become a human to, as he, God, envisioned humanity. He showed us God's plan for who we're meant to be. Now he, did all, now, he did all the work in freeing us from his death on the cross and in his resurrection. That's when he destroyed sin and death definitively. However, we're still caught in the shrapnel of that event, and we still feel the effects of sin and can still be damaged by it, despite the fact that it's already destroyed. So we have our part to play as well. As I noted earlier, there's those who are in positions of authority who have the duty to inform others and work toward spreading the faith. By virtue of their office as teacher or professor, parent, whatever the case may be, they are given a unique platform to teach and be listened to. So with that role, such as with my professor, they have that unique responsibility to take care that they represent the faith in an accurate and dignified way for the sake of those who follow or study after them so that they don't lead them to scandal. However, we too have our responsibility. While we also have to avoid giving scandal to others and proclaim the truth often through our words and actions, we also need to work to avoid those situations in our lives which we know are going to lead us down a path which we can't go. In a metaphorical language, our Lord tells us we need to cut off our leg or our hand if that causes us to sin. 
He's telling us to cut off that part of our life which does us spiritual harm by perpetuating that cycle in our, of sin in our life. And so we need to take a step back. We need to look at our lives and see what is that thing that's causing me to go down this path? What's that thing that caused me to do things I know I shouldn't do? And how can I work in my life to get rid of that? How can Christ give me the strength to better myself in that respect? In other words, Christ is telling us in this language that our eternity is too precious of a gift. He's trying to shock us to realize that by telling us, pluck out your eye, cut off your arm, cut off your leg. It's better to go into life maimed than to be thrown into the fires of Gehenna. He's trying to shock us. If there's some aspect in our life or some vice which we have which leads us down that wrong path, we should pray for the courage to let go of that area and allow Christ to set us free. By slowly working to eradicate these elements in our life, we are gradually beginning to see the world as God envisioned it from the very onset of creation. We're starting to see ourselves the way that God sees us and see our humanity the way that we were always meant to live it. So today, let us pray for the courage to let go of those things which keep us from Christ. By struggling to overcome our weaknesses and allow the vision that God has for our humanity to permeate who we are, we will win for ourselves the unfading crown of glory that Christ promises to those who stay faithful in the fight. Amen.